All right, welcome to Garage Night. We're going to get right into it. Uh, I'm Randall Evans, and I have with me today just Jeff Tracy. Say hello. Hey. All right, so we'll just start with uh, the daily driving. Just uh, something from your garage that you drove or rode in or worked on recently. You got something for us? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, today I was working on my... 1950 uh, Chevy project I got uh, picked up picked it up a couple of years ago uh, at a Yakima uh, Washington just a total pile of, pile of junk car uh, lots of rust um, how long was it sitting in that field for oh I'd say it was uh, in the field for uh, well so I found underneath the seat. I found a, an old Seven Up bottle uh, under the seat from I, I guess the seventies. So I, I wouldn't put it past uh, I would guess probably I don't know forty fifty years it probably sat um, you know uh, maybe moved around a little bit but uh, yeah it, it sat for a long time and um, so I mean I, I'd never done anything like work on a car this old before um, so I'd uh, I was very quickly in over my head, but, um, you know, I, I looked at it, I sat outside one day, you know, I was so excited to bring it home and, um, I come home from work and I'd see it sitting there on the side of the house and it's like, man, that's such a beautiful card. Then I would go inside and play video games and, you know, go to bed like everyone does. And then, you know, eventually, you know, a few months later I said, you know, I either need to get up and do something about this or, or just get rid of it because I'm never going to, I'm, I'm never going to do anything if I don't force myself to do it. And I said, I don't want to be the guy that buys that project and is all excited about it and never finishes it. So I said, Let's didn't want to be me. I didn't want to be you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I said, you know, let's just, um, let's just start doing it a piece at a time. So, you know, I, I went out there and, you know, the whole thing is just a mess, right? I mean, the interior is inside and it's all mouth eaten and, and it just, it's just, it smells and it's nasty and there's you know fortunately there's no like headliner in the car or anything but uh you know the seats were in it and um so you know i think the first step was let's get the thing cleaned out and so i i bunny suited up and i you know got my parents pressure washer and started blowing the thing out and cleaned out a few dead mice and uncovered a lot of rust and um you know old door panels just disintegrated and it was just it was just nasty, but at least I had a, a little bit cleaner slate to work with. And so I just kind of started cruising on through the car after that. And, um, you know, I got the, uh, you know, started on the fenders and kind of worked my way back, you know, started doing, I, I learned some of the uh, techniques for metal work. They call it metal bumping, you know, where you um, stretch and shrink metal. And, you know, I'm not very good at it, but I, I kind of learned as I went and um, just started cruising on through the car and ordered a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, replacement panels, um, EMS, uh, is a company, they sell a bunch of, uh, replacement, you know, sheet metal for these old cars and, uh, bought myself a cheap, you know, welder on Craigslist and started just kind of figuring out as I went. And, um, the more I got into build, the more I, okay, now I need a better welder, you know, I need more hardware, more tools and stuff. So, uh, you know, basically my focus for the better part of, of a year, actually a little over a year, um, was basically just getting this thing to the point where I could start it. And, um, 
not to to bore you with all the details, but I ended up eventually putting in a I, I put a 350 out of a, a 88 uh, IROC Camaro in there with the with the mashing transmission. And um, fortunately, you know, I, I you know I didn't want to run. I, well, I thought I was going to run fuel injection. You know, and I had the tune port on it, um, which was GM's first foray into really direct port fuel injection. Um, in yeah, on that 88 to begin with, then. Right. Yeah, and it, and it had a, a packed up harness on it and, and uh, so I ended up okay I'll, I'll buy a, a harness uh, for it so I bought a harness for it and I I, I really in, in my gut I really didn't want to go fuel injected and, and eventually I uh, I scrapped the idea because the parts for that fuel injection were so um, unsupported um, that uh, I needed to you know I needed just to get the parts anymore was was so difficult that I said, you know, I'd rather have something I could go to the parts store off the shelf, buy what I need. So I uh, I threw a um, old fuel pump in it, um, fuel pump push rod, and uh, hooked up an Edelbrock carburetor on it, and uh, just real simple, you know, tried and true setup, and did the full wiring from a, a American Auto Wire, and um, you know, basically ended up getting it running just this last uh, March, and um, Put the doors on. I hung the doors. Got new seals in it all around, and new front window, and uh, all types of uh, you know, just you've got you got it on the road basically. And um, you know, it's uh, now it's now it's off the road because one of the junkyard parts I put in there um, was bad. Uh, I I used a Ford Ford Explorer rear axle in it, and um, it's uh, the bearings on it were bad, and, and so I. Um, just picked another one up here recently and I'm doing a head lease on it just to, you know, I kind of want to see how the car drove with lease and I put, so now I'm doing a, a trailing arm setup. I'm, I uh, pulled some trailing, well, I didn't pull them. I, I got them online, but I got some trailing arm, trailing arms off of a Land Rover Discovery. And um, right now I'm just in the process of kind of mocking those up and making those fit the car and, um, you know, uh, should give me better, uh, you know, lateral control of the car and, and um, full less axle wraps, so that'll be nice. Um, you know, like when I when I get on it, I I get some pretty gnarly axle wraps, so I uh, you know slam the drive line up into the body of the car, and so it just wasn't fun. But uh, and speaking of the suspension, you don't have uh, stock suspension at all running on that. You've got a completely different front and rear setup, and you engineered the rear kind of. Uh, off of something or did you kind of is that the one that you kind of designed yourself with the four link or is that in the future um yeah so the the front end was just a, you know the standard what a lot of people do and, and they call it a mustang two front end but it's really um it's loosely based on the mustang two they use the spindles and, and then the mount points and everything but um but everything's tubular and, and and brace different you don't have the strut rods to take your braking load um and it and the one I used was a was a bolt-in kit, um, which you know, and I was I was a little disappointed with the build quality of the kit, to be honest with you. So you know, a lot of that stuff I ended up rewelding um, because uh, you know some of the welds had, had broken. You know, as I as I went to install them, and I, I was just you know not. And that's brand new pieces out of a box that had just been manufactured that broke. Yeah, yeah. So didn't make me feel very good. So I uh, you know. I just, 
I didn't have a TIG welder here, but I uh, I took it to work and we uh, TIG welded it all up. And um, and then yeah, with the rear uh, suspension, I I kept you know I I think I have probably about ten different uh, suspension setups on my uh, on my computer right now that I had looked at doing different things, but the the frame on this car and the and you know keep the back seat and and everything it's just it's a really tricky setup to make things work right um, in this car particularly and the frames aren't very strong um at least the top of the frame isn't very strong so you really don't want to be welding to the top of the frame like a lot of guys do with these four links on these uh, 49 to 54 frames so um, i came up with this kind of different uh, approach with the trailing arm setup from a land rover and i, I I mean, we'll see how it works. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm, I was out there today getting the first uh, front bracket mounted, and and um, you know, hopefully it'll all work out. But yeah, it should be just a basically a, the same as like the uh, old Chevy truck arms and trailing arm setups, kind of the similar setup that they use in NASCAR, uh, panhard bar, and then uh, ride set coilovers. So um, I hope it works out. You know, I think it will. I, it'll be better than where I'm at. You know, I, I, I'm kind of just trying to combat some of the more basic problems without getting too far into like, you know, I mean, I'm not really building a, a cornering machine, right? I'm just building a, a nice cruiser. So I, I don't need to be caring about, you know, my, uh, you know, too much about my, my scrub radius or my, uh, you know, the instant centers and roll centers and all that stuff. I'm not too worried about the dynamics uh, beyond just, you know, following some basic principles of keeping it uh, a nice driving car, you know, nothing, uh, I don't need to, it doesn't need to be a race car, you know, it just needs to drive nice and, and not bang itself apart, you know, like it was with the Leafs, so um, I'm hoping that it's, uh, it's, it's very much a race car on the inside, there's two <laughs> seats, and a couple of the gauges work, and you have wipers, and I think they work. Well, actually, all the gauges are now functioning with, I should say, all except one. Um, I don't have the ammeter hooked up because I didn't want to uh, hook up something that I think is inherently an unsafe design. But uh, but the original fuel gauge is working. Um, and then the I used um, I used a temperature gauge and a uh, oil pressure gauge from a 75 Ford uh, F-150. And um, I took the motors from that put them behind the original gauge bases and mounted them in the, in the bezel. And then I, um, I machined out some turn signal pockets for, you know, integrated turn signals into the, in the gauge, instead of doing the LEDs that you see a lot. Um, I didn't really like how the LEDs looked. They didn't look like they'd fit the car very well. So I wanted something that was nice and homogenous and, and kind of flowed with the, with the design of the car and, and didn't look too obtuse. So they kind of, they fit in there really nice, kind of follow the same pattern and sweep as the, uh, as the oil pressure and the um, uh, coolant temperature gauges that uh, sit right adjacent to them. So they kind of follow that same circular pattern. And then I had to, um, I had a guy uh, here local, he specializes in, in instrument repair. Um, he's actually, he does work all over the world, I guess, but um, he, uh, and he's actually our friend, Adri, that's his, her uh, uncle, um, Abbott uh, instrument, uh, uh, Bruce Abbott, he, uh, he did my speedo um, gauge and he, you know, he took that, uh, I, I used it originally and it kind of worked, but um, it was, you know, reading all over the place. It was, you know, 10 miles an hour too fast or, you know, too slow. And then I, you know, me being my 
uh, you know, stupid self, I went in there and I'm like, oh, I probably just need some lubrication. It's been so long. So I just dumped some uh, 10-1 oil, which a lot of guys online have said worked really well. Um, that was obviously not the right move and uh, it ended up making it uh, way worse. So uh, he, uh, he took it down and took it apart and polished the uh, shaft and did all of the, put the right clock oil in there, which apparently is what you're supposed to use on those old uh, gauges that spin really fast. You got to use like a, a, a clock, um, like a, a something used for, um, you know, your little uh, wristwatches and stuff, a little lubrication oil that they use in there. Yeah, yeah similar so to uh, micrometers that we use at work, we put a sewing machine oil uh, is how you lubricate old micrometers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, so light and so viscous and it'll push itself out of the way so that doesn't affect your your measurements mm -hmm. so i would assume that um clock oil is similar in that it's it's probably very very light and it won't gum up the works as it were right yeah that, that sheer um sheer stress that the fluid um has is a lot is a lot lower stuff viscosity is a lot um lower i think it's a lower viscosity right where that's uh where it's a lot thinner and it doesn't uh, doesn't cause as much drag um, on that on that rotating part so yeah that that was what's exactly what they uh yeah thinner uh, lighter oil right right and um you know uh, yeah anyway so so all that stuff's all working now and then you know i i put a uh, it's got a column from a 66 67 c10 pickup and um it's got that in there the non-tilt column and uh, i rebuilt the turn signal mechanism which was nice and that and I shortened it, you know, shortened the column to fit the car four inches and then, um, you know, did, did some, uh, I don't know, some different stuff and it, it ended up working out pretty good. It drives pretty nice. Actually, you're, you're, I think the only person other than me and my dad who have driven it. So you'd probably be able to tell anybody <laughs> how it drives as much as I could. It drives impressively for what it is because it, it looks it looks unfinished. I mean, it it to it to an extent was unfinished and like there was when I drove it, there was still stuff to be worked out. There was still the clunking of the rear end and first was uh, really the one two shift was violent to say the least. Mm -hmm. But like it felt good when you were in the throttle. It, the engine felt lively and happy happy to rev for how small um or how how kind of slow it was to pick up those old engines being just a few speeds the transmissions are very um very long gears and so for how slow it revved relative to what i'm used to driving it was it always pulled it just had torque kind of as far as it would rev um which you know wasn't super high but it was it felt it felt strong it felt as fast as uh my mustang that i owned uh not sure if it was seat of the pants after uh after some tests but it it feels fast which is kind of the fun part of a big v8 car is doesn't really the numbers don't matter as much as the feel of it and it handled way better than it had any right to it was planted and flat around corners in a way that 
I still think that you're disappointed with, oh, it's supposed to supposed <laughs> to roll through the corners. It's supposed to be lumbering and smooth. It doesn't float like a butterfly. It stings very much like a bee. It's just it was a little old little race car, which is which is neat, whether it was what you were going for or not. The suspension was really well sorted for, you know, kind of the first time out. Yeah, yeah. It it's a uh... I, I definitely wanted more of the ride that my Falcon has, which is uh, soft and, and cushy. Um, <laughs> you know. It is It is not that. No, it's not. And, uh, you, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's fun, though. I, I mean, even though, you know, eventually I'll dial it in a little more as, you know, as these things go. But, you know, I was uh, I was still pretty astonished that, you know, the first time I got it all together, it didn't, you know, fall, fall apart, you know, you know, after we... Uh, did all the, all the well, it did. Yeah. It did have to get towed from that first car show, or was that uh, the? Um, no, that when was the, the exhaust trailer. was getting done. That was the trailer incident when the trailer. Uh, so I had, uh, I was going to have the exhaust done, and uh, you know I didn't want to drive it on open headers uh, to the exhaust shop, and you know, in in our uh, in our haste, one of the tie down straps. Uh, it was probably insufficiently tied down, but one of our tie down straps broke and it slid off the back of the trailer about a block from the uh, exhaust shop. And I ended up hopping in it. And uh, we didn't have, we were in the middle of the road and uh, we didn't have any, we were going about 30 and it just skidded to a stop and amazingly didn't damage anything. Um, but uh, I ended up hopping in it and, uh, you know, no seatbelts, no doors, no trunk, no windshield, hopped in the thing and cruised, you know. Uh, but I don't know. I say it was a block, and it was about a mile. But the exhaust shop, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty crazy. I was holding on to my my beanie on my head, and I was you know, driving down the road with you know uh, open headers, just screaming loud. It was it was a it was an interesting day, to say the least. Probably got some looks from the uh, locals. Oh yeah, I think more people were like, "What the hell just happened? The car just fell off a train." And I, I watched it slide off the back of the trailer while I was driving. And I was just like, oh, man, there it goes a year and a half. All your work. There it goes. Yeah. Fortunately, no one was in the road. So, I mean, we didn't hit anybody. And, you know, it, was, it kind of worked out okay. And, I, and amazingly, it didn't damage anything. You know, it didn't damage the transmission. didn't damage the car. I have no idea how. I mean, that thing took a huge drop. I mean, the trailer was up probably 18 inches. So, I mean, it, that whole front end just slammed down. But, uh, oh boy it kind of fell off one tire at a time because what happened was that uh, the strap broke, but the other one kind of caught as it was sliding off. So it hit one wheel on the, on the rear and then kind of the front and the other rear hit at the same time. And then the, then like the left front fell. So it was kind of like a, uh, kind of like a slow motion, like drop, you know? And uh, anyway, yeah, I've, ever since then I've been like, you know, every few weeks I'll, I'll crawl under there and I check all the welds on the front front suspension you know because i wasn't wasn't super stoked with the welds to begin with but no better way to test them than dropping it off of a trailer at, you know, 20 knots that's true and it tested all of your welds i mean if if you did a bad weld i think dropping a uh, you know big heavy steel car like that 18 inches off of a trailer would test them pretty well yeah 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 no it's uh it's been a fun little car i'm really excited to get this new suspension set up and 
get it back on the road. Um, what I really like though is if I could uh, have something more like what you're driving your, uh, you know, your BMW. I'd love to. I wish I could take the body of my car and, and your powertrain, suspension, and everything else, and just merge the two. That would be that would be the ultimate. Yeah, that that car is just dialed. That well, that it it works so well. Just I I I tried to look up why because. I'll talk about it a little bit and then we'll go right into kind of car thoughts, which will be kind of what we were talking about with G forces in different cars. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, 2001 540i uh, Sport, fun little V8. We we got to drive it uh, the other day. Just drove it out through the back roads here outside of East Portland and. And took it on the back roads and the car it just it does what you want it to do it's got that big v8 power revs out to 6200 rpms in sport and it's not even the manual but you click it over into sport turn off the traction control and it doesn't it doesn't get in your way like i expected the automatic transmission to do if you want it to, to shift it'll it'll hold a gear it'll shift there's just a little bit of a delay not bad uh, for how old the transmission is, and it's it's plenty fast enough because it it's not just quick from uh, zero to sixty like some vehicles, but it'll when you know when we were out you know, freeway speeds passing speeds if you do you know you need a, a sixty to eighty five run to pass a car it it'll do that just as quick as it did twenty to forty five. It's it's got that power all the way up. It doesn't run out as you as you shift up the gears, which which is fun. And through the corners, it doesn't feel its weight. It's thirty six hundred pounds, but it feels much lighter. It feels the length of it. You can tell that the back wheels are way back there as we as we were discussing in the in the car. But it 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 doesn't feel heavy. It's not ponderous. It feels almost like. Um, Nowadays, they got the magnahedral suspension on the Chevys and uh, some other stuff, and it, where it stiffens the outside shocks with the metal shavings. It aligns those to stiffen the outsides and drop the inside in. It feels like the 5 Series like drops its shoulder down into a corner, like a like a street bike, and it just like leans in and and pulls itself through. And I. I wonder why it feels that way when, uh, you know, my Mustang and, and everything else I've ever driven, nothing's quite done that like the BMWs that I've driven. The, the, the Z cars did the same thing. And I wonder if it's that, that knuckle angle that kind of puts a positive camber in, if that has anything to do with, with why it does that. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're onto something there. I mean, uh, first off, I think that that car is pretty spectacular, and I don't like, I don't, I don't own new cars, and I don't like uh, new cars. 1991 but, is your newest newest yeah. car you own of the and, four. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, yeah, my, my Fox body, I, I honestly, uh, if, if I didn't have it already, I wouldn't own it. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was mm -hmm. the car that I had in high school, and so it was like. You know, you and I uh, and, and all of our friends really met around Mustang community. And so there's a lot of nostalgia 
nostalgia there with that car. So, and I still love driving it. It's a fun car to drive, but um, you know, my my uh, interest has uh, been more into the old and classic cars and kind of the rat rods and, and Tina cars and just kind of these nice original cool survivor cars. And that's kind of where I like to go. But you know, after you got this car, uh, after driving it, I you know every time I get in it, like I'm I there's but this time you 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 swore at me and you were quite quite cross with me about two minutes in because i i gave you the keys and i said okay your your turn to drive yeah did you did you make it a mile down the road before you're crap i need one like i yeah i I need something like this it works so well yeah it was one of those things where i just got in i was just so i was i just get so blown away by by how uh intuitive it is to drive you know like the first time i got it i think i did did uh <laughs> i don't know what i can say on here but i, I think i uh, i put you in your in your seat a little bit when we were driving around the back roads um because I, I, the car just i mean i drove that car one time and i immediately knew how to drive it you know and, and it was the handling the suspension everything was just telepathic it was just super intuitive um it, it turned the way you expected it to turn. It told you when it wanted to step out. It told you where trip was. And kind of what you alluded to earlier, um, unlike my Fox body, which I drive on all the same roads that we were driving on. Um, and that car, you know, the, the Fox body is a lot twitchier. You know, it, I, I'm always waiting for it to step out, you know, and, and generally I can know where it's going to step out for them. And, you know, because I know that car pretty well, but yours, it just, it, it, it rotated into the corner so much better um than my car does and you know and to, to kind of what we were talking about earlier um i think that has a lot to do with that new uh, I, I, I say new it's now 20 years old but newer suspension technology you know where they were where bmw really was paying attention to you know where that wheel would move um you know both both wheels really under under uh cornering under braking under turn in and how they behave, you know, whether or not it was, uh, you know, whether or not you're getting the, whether it's the control arm angle is moving back, so you're getting maybe some elements of a rear steer where you're pivoting, the car's kind of pivoting more in the corner, um, so that, that maybe that rear tire is moving back um, as it loads or unloads or it's moving forward as it loads and unloads. And then to your point, you know, you got camber and caster change um, throughout the bump. As it as it compresses and decompresses, so I think there's a lot of that too. And then um, I think you your car relative to my my Mustang has a um, has a longer wheelbase, um, which you know relative to the to the user, the car kind of pivots more around you rather than you being in it. So kind of that experience of of the G forces in the seat kind of change. I think from more of a uh, kind of a throwing you into the in the back of the car feel to maybe a more of a of a, I'm rotating through the corner feel. Um, there might be some element of that as well, because you know you're you figure as you're as you're piloting the front of that car around the corner, the back end is further in the is further behind you in that corner, right? That those rear tires are further back, so maybe you're not getting the full effect of the of the G-force, like kind of like when you hop in like a, a mini or a or you know a little uh, you know Toyota Starlet or something. You know you feel those corners; they feel like a go kart because you're your wheelbase is so much shorter, so that it's really throwing you around in the corners. It's really fun to drive and engaging 
I have to see. Yeah, I, I did. I did look it up, and the the, uh, the Fox Body Mustang is a one hundred and a half inch wheelbase, mm -hmm. and uh, the E thirty nine five series is one hundred and eleven and a half. So it's okay. nearly a foot longer just in the wheelbase, not counting overhangs and such. So it is. That's a substantial difference, and I'm I'm sure the track is uh, is again going to be wider just because it's a, a an executive sedan is a full size one is going to be bigger mm -hmm. than a uh, sports coupe sure yeah yeah i mean you you drove my mustang directly after you drove yours and it's been a difference yeah we, we took them out on uh we, we took them out on similar but different roads in the same area uh one after another and we both drove about half and half so we both got a good a good feel for the difference in car, and they're very different things, uh, you know. Whereas the five series was, uh, we we got to go out and it was still fast and it was good through the corners and arguably a better performer uh, if you just went by the metrics, and it was calm and comfortable. And uh, I got I got to Ribby. I said, "Oh, go ahead and turn on the seat heaters while you're at it." And you know, <laughs> there's all of the the niceties that come with ten years and uh, you know a luxury market uh, sedan. Uh, you know, you, you you put all that together, and it's just it was a very comfortable and it was quiet, very serene so kind of got to go fast, and you could kind of hear the engine like if you listen for it, like okay, there it is, and you could. You could shift by it if you needed to, mm -hmm. but we were able to hold a conversation and both had heated seats and, you know, drinking my coffee, no problem. And Whereas, no one looked at you like you were driving a, like a, a radical car. No one looked at you like, hey, there's some punk kid driving around this, this road fast, you know. If if anything, it was oh, I bet he doesn't know how to use a turn signal. That's <laughs> that's probably what people would say. Right. Um. But then we got in the uh, we got in the fox body, and just immediately I had to tell myself because you had me drive that one first, and I had to remind myself it's also a ten year gap. So the styling and and just where everything is located, the ergonomics, and you know what quality should have been because I I owned a two thousand one Mustang earlier this year just months ago and so i know the what i should kind of be putting it up against and so i know it's kind of apples and oranges but with the heavy modifications done to your fox body it's just a such a different animal just starting it up it was immediately louder than i could ever full throttle the five series can't make half the noise that that thing did just starting boom 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 and it it sounds it's that american muscle feel and sound that people want from that kind of a car um and it is just immediately such a different such a different experience and then driving it that shorter wheelbase like you said it's more go-karty you know it felt less like a touring car championship car and more like you know i i went out you know, put my helmet on and strapped into the go-kart and, and you could feel the back end like you were sitting over the back axle compared to the uh, the 540i. And that 
that changed the whole the way that it turned in you would turn the wheel and you would feel it the, the mustang didn't didn't roll over like like my 2001 did it it's a lot flatter because of the work done to it and the tires were equitable and it was a little wet out but it had mostly dried out and so coming up through the, the twisties up the hill it still felt like it was kind of clawing its way in but it did feel like gravity was trying to pull it wide whereas the 5 series I also feel we didn't drive it as hard but I think that the 5 series at 7, 6 or 7 tenths was doing the same pace as the Mustang was at 8 or 9 I felt like it was working harder to keep up and there was so much more drama that it comes down to do you want that drama or did you just want it to be easy because the Mustang I think was more fun in like a this is a crazy thing that wants me dead sort of a way which there it just shows that they're a completely different market but comparing them they're close enough in front drive natu naturally aspirated v8 fuel injected rear drive similar rear gear you know and like you don't have a huge engine modifications done on on yours so they they did meet up in a lot of places which was which made it a fun comparison right right yeah no it was a uh it's kind of amazing the difference you know and and uh you know i it's weird because i'm a little jaded because i've been with that car for uh i think 11 years now a little over 11 years i've had it and uh you know i so i mean i've, I've kind of like watched it evolve and you know been part of that whole process and so you know now i feel like it's the best it's ever been as far as a driver's car but the like what we were talking about when we were driving is like all of the changes I've made have made it less friendly to drive every day. And so it's not a car that you want to just go like hop in and go drive to work, you know? And, um, you know, it, it was an automatic car originally, put a five speed in it and, you know, driving to work, you know, I've got knee problems. So, you know, sitting in traffic is just a nightmare to drive. So, you know, I, I honestly, I hated driving it. I wanted to drive my Bronco every day to work because, it uh, it was so much better to drive, and to your point, like your your uh, your I want to say M5, but your 540i um, is so much nicer just to like drive in traffic. You can take the kids or the dog or whatever wherever, and uh, you can just kind of cruise in it. But then you know uh, you know on the weekends you go out and you can have all the fun you want, even with an automatic. That that automatic shifts great. Um, you can put a shift kit like you were saying in it. And, uh, you know, probably smoke any five-speed out there. I mean, you know, uh, it's not a dual clutch, but, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of old technology anyway, so, I mean, I think dual clutch is just unreliable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, unless you got a PDK. Certainly, uh, Ford Focus that, that we owned, the 2012, that was that was a bit of a, a, bit of a chore. That was not great. <laughs> but uh, contrast that with the current PDK, Porsches and and they've got them figured out, but there is a uh, large section in there that is not figured out, and that would be, I wouldn't want to have another one like that. Yeah, yeah, but the PDKs are fantastic. I mean, my my dad's uh, he's got that two thousand nine uh, Porsche, and um, 
it's got the PDK in it, and that, that thing shifts just phenomenal. I mean, it, it's un, un, unbelievable how fast it shifts. And, you know, and, and it's funny to me, you know, uh, a lot of people say they'll miss that third pedal. Uh, but when I drove his Porsche and when I drove your uh, 540, I didn't miss it. You know, I, I uh, it was less work. But, I, you know, I, again, maybe I'm, I'm a little lazy in my old age, but, I mean, I, I still had just as much fun driving those cars. It was one less thing to pay attention to. That's not to say it's not rewarding to, you know, uh, throw throw some gears, you know, like my T5. Um, you know, I love I love feeling that, you know, that shifter engagement and everything. It's really fun. But but if, if it's your only car and you got to live with it, you know, I think that that, that Tiptronic or that uh, uh, or that PDK, that, that uh, dual clutch automatic, is like it's a great compromise. You know, you really the the amount you're missing is so small. And the trade-off is so great. Like you get so much more out of it, you know, um, by by being able to drive it every day. You know, take your wife to the movies or whatever, and uh, you know, you're not worrying about you know getting stuck in traffic and burning your clutch up and you know yada yada or being uncomfortable. You know? I, I I loved having my five-speed in the Mustang that just sat in the garage most of the time and. When I wanted to drive that, I could drive that, but my dailies were were automatics with the exception of the Ranger. But I, I liked having that that option where I could just get in the car and the kids could get in. And, and now the 5 Series does just that. It can also be a family hauler. I'm not afraid to throw Abby in it. And she loves driving it, you know, like she didn't drive the Mustang. She just, she didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, partially because, you know, it was, oh, it's your baby. I, I would hate if something happened to it. Now it's a $1,500 BMW that she could care less. Um, <laughs> but it's still fast, and and uh, she she likes it. I, could, I wouldn't worry about throwing her and the kids in it and driving, you know, across halfway across the country. I feel like it would it would do it comfortably, quietly. It would, it's got a big enough trunk for all our stuff, like, we we could really use it instead of this oversized go-kart in the garage that the the five speed the 3650 tremec was wonderful to shift that that was a great car in general but it it couldn't do what this one does and i would say my this car is just a tick off of that thing's speed in a straight line and already faster through corners yeah yeah no i uh I really, I really think that that 540i is is a super impressive uh, car, you know, and I, I still can't believe that you picked it up for so cheap. Um, <laughs> you know, that was the, the the amount of car you get for the dollar is it, it's it's absolutely insane. I mean, well, to, I was looking, I was looking thirty five hundred to five thousand dollars. I'm like, okay, I got this one, I got that one, and I had some lined up to go look at, and then. Uh, you know, I told you I hadn't told anyone that I was gonna get one, and and uh, and I, you you got it out of me. We played a guessing game, and you figured it out, and um, and then you you text me not not but like two days later, and you said, "Hey, I know a guy who's selling a 540i." I said, "No, really? Like an E39? Yeah, it's an E39. Is it a sport? Yeah, it's a sport. Huh? How much? Fifteen hundred dollars." I'm like, "Okay, so it's gonna be." A ratted out piece of junk that's going to be more trouble than it's worth it still could be but it hasn't been uh you know the pictures i'm like oh this is a better interior color better exterior color than i'm looking at 
still has the uh, you know the manual shift option um, like okay okay and having gotten this one I'm kind of glad I did over the six-speed manual just for ease of use and I do still have the Ranger if I want to shift my own gears it is it I do have that option and I always want to have something that I can do that I figure when I eventually get a 150 I'll uh, I'll end up with a Miata or a or a Porsche 914 or something something that I can shift myself because it's it's a fun thing to do the way it's fun to go play video games or ride a mountain bike it's fun to go out and drive a manual car because mm -hmm. it's it's an activity right right no i uh it, it it is amazing though how much how much easier it is to hop in an automatic right like every time i want to go somewhere uh the car i immediately gravitates towards is either my chevy when it's not uh, being worked on uh, or or my Bronco because it's they're just the easiest ones to, to hop in and drive you know uh, my Falcon really takes a good close second though because it's you know it's got a super light clutch so it's really easy to drive but uh, just that that one less thing to do uh, while you're driving you know is nice when you're just going somewhere and you're you know you're half asleep and you're trying to go to the hardware store to pick up some bolts like I was doing today you know drove down to you know down to Southeast Portland or whatever to go get some specialty bolts and grade eight hardware and stuff for my for my car. Um, you know, I didn't want to deal with the traffic and sitting there, so I just I hopped in my truck and you know, automatic, easy drive. So I mean, I get it's that. nice to have a car for appliance sake sometimes that you don't. Oh well, I gotta prime the I gotta I gotta remember to prime with the gas pedal and then pull the choke and then start it up three on the tree i gotta pull it and then go up to that little detent as much as you get used <laughs> to doing all that quickly it's it is kind of nice to get in get in the bmw x5 and just sit down and hit the electric start and the the seat moves in 10 different ways and the and the steering wheel comes up and towards you you know all automatically and it does all that the seat heater comes on and and i just grab a little stick, put it in drive and just head down the road. And it, it just does, it does everything. It's automatic wipers, automatic headlights. You just, oh, I'm just going to the store. I'd rather not drive. I'd rather it just be here. Cause I just, I just need lettuce for dinner. This is stupid. <laughs> You're like, do you really need lettuce? Can we just go without it? No, I gotta go get it. So I know it's going to be 25 minutes driving out, grabbing it and coming back and you know, it's like, well, I don't want to go out for a drive. I just want to go get dinner. Right. You yeah. Know? Whereas sometimes it's, oh, I want to, you know, put on my driving shoes and I want to get in my get in my Mustang and, and let it, you know, start it up. Got to let it warm up. Wait for the revs to drop a little bit. You know, put it in gear. Turn off the traction control. We'll put the headlights one click. Yeah, we'll put it on marker lights. That looks cool. Um, <laughs> you know. And it's all about the feel. It's like, oh, where am I going to go? Uh, I'll start by left, and then I'll go right, and then I'll make my next left. Where does this go? That's a different thing. Yeah. And I don't want to go through all of that to real quickly run out, and the thing barely gets up to temp. That's that's not what I want to do. If that's the only vehicle I had, it would get old. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If if the only car you had was a Stanley Steamer, you know, yeah, you, you'd 
you'd end up just not eating dinner because (laughs) that's too much. So you got to find out what you're willing to put up with for a quick drive. And the fact that the, the five series, I can just start and I got to let it warm up for a minute or it, it gets a little upset, but that's it. Like get in, start it. And then it's got enough niceties that, Oh, if it's cold, just turn on the seat heater. I'll be fine. Kind of gives me time to, you know, set up music and stuff. And then, down the road i think the uh i think the automatic and air conditioning are about the extent of my amenities on my vehicles so <laughs> i don't have much room to talk <laughs> i got well, uh i like when i you know uh, i will say though that you know just popping in the in the uh in the old in the old chevy that you know, the 50 or even the bronco you know and just having that automatic just to be able to cruise is, is really nice because you know, I mean, one, it, it, it doesn't help that you, you know, if you have bad news or whatever that, you know, you can't, shipping has become kind of a chore. Um, but, you know, you can just kind of cruise and enjoy the drive and you focus more on what's kind of around you than you do, um, you know, what the car is doing, you know, um, in, in that way, it's kind of a nice thing. Uh, but man, I, I That's uh, kind of the problem with some automotive gatekeeping where they're like, oh, you know, three pedals or nothing. It's like, well, they're not considering someone like you that has bad knees. And, you know, if you believed those keyboard warriors, then you would get to the point where it hurts too much to use your, your, you know, your left foot for that. And and it's like, Oh, well, I guess I can't be an automotive enthusiast anymore. I guess I'll just get a Toyota echo and, and just call it good. Like to, to say, Oh, well, you're not a real, it's not a, real car because it's got an automatic transmission is is silly it's like saying you can't have a fast car that's electric like we've learned that yeah everything started with a g whiz and and that sort of thing and but the prius is not the only electric vehicle out there there's there's a video right now up on um autoblog and and elsewhere of a um of the new uh electric tesla cyber truck winning a tug of war against an f-150 like oh, really? we all know we all know that that kind of comes down to uh like tires and and like where they're hitched together and like those those are always kind of a bad test but just the idea that you could have an electric vehicle that could do some of the things that the tesla cyber truck is is doing putting out some of the numbers it is just shows that you can't you can't say oh this one thing decides whether a car is a real enthusiast car or not you it could be electric it could be automatic it could have heated seats or not right you you got to take the car as a whole if you look at my bmw what does it look like it looks like a like like just some 20 year old as it is just old old man executive sedan well you know he's been at the business for 23 years he finally gets a company vehicle this is her his per diem for his vehicle and you know he wants something comfortable and looks but it's fast and it handles corners like a champ you know in a way that a 1500 dollars 19 year old car shouldn't right right so to, to look at it and go, oh, well, it doesn't look like a sports car or it's not a two-door or anything like that doesn't 
that's not really a fair fair shakes to any vehicle well it's kind of funny you know you mentioned how sports cars are supposed to look and and uh it kind of reminds me of the conversation we had the other day about some of these new nostalgic uh sports cars that they have the the reincarnation of the mustang was really what started it i think and the peachy cruiser and some of these where you know they're they're reinventing this uh this evoking or evoking this uh, feeling of nostalgia um with these old uh i mean new uh cars that appeared to be old or look somewhat old but in reality they're just you know just this big facade of of uh you know you got the plastic interior and all these things that you uh, things that that are not indicative of that original car that you don't you know that i don't know it, it just feels like this kind of uh almost like sacrilege you know to the original car right where or yeah you get you sit in an old you know say 67 mustang which is kind of that quintessential mustang and you smell the vinyl you know you deal with the you deal with the the old carburetor and you've got this, the smells and just that whole experience of something completely different than when you get into a uh you know a new mustang and you got the you know the the faux you know gauges that look old but they're digital and you got i, I mean i don't know it just they feel so vanilla and such a such a sad representation of what the old cars were and and uh you know the the old cars really were just they were works of art they were they were unique they were interesting they showed new technology of the time and and uh you know they were kind of just wholly representative of the era you know like i was telling you when i bought my my old uh falcon i've got a 60 falcon and when i went to go buy that car just that that drive back i just i felt like i was I, I should be in 1970 smoking a cigarette, you know, sitting in, in rush hour, smoggy seventies, you know, like just, that was where I felt like, I just, I felt this whole backstory of this car that, that was, was beyond myself and my experiences with it, but it felt so authentic and so real and so just engaging in, in, in a way that, you know, no car could, could really replicate, you know, and, and you know, by by creating these new cars that are that are kind of trying to evoke that, but like this play down acceptable suburban version of this car, uh, or or this you know reincarnation of a car, it, it I don't know it feels like it's just a it's uh, almost like a stolen valor to to overstate it where they're going hey look we're we're that you know and mm -hmm. that was an earned thing that became something emblematic. And they kind of steal that that thunder by going, "Hey, look, this looks like that, but it doesn't perform like that." It just feels empty, you know. They feel empty, like they don't have that soul, that passion, that that uh, that that character that uh, cars of that era had, you know. Um, and and it doesn't have to just be that era, you know. You were talking about the goal. And and you know uh, you were asking if my buddy's golf yeah, had those one mark two uh, golf yeah yeah and you were asking him if he had those flat seats in there and I said yo yeah he did but you know it was uh, and his was a 2009 and you know we kind of went on this whole tangent about how in reality um, like the new ones are just kind of a sad like a visual cue of what the old ones were you know the old ones had this beautiful tweed with the final. Um, the the final border and uh, you yeah, know, the just Mark II 
Gulf had a true tartan seat that was woven with with different colors, and then the the Mark mm-hmm. Six is basically a almost a silk screen over yeah. just a standard cloth seat. It's like, hey, look, we can we can do that too. It, it's like buying a new. I wear these all the time, but like a, a a new retro shirt. Oh, this looks like the Lucky Charm shirt from 1977. You know, my dad would say, "Oh, I had a shirt just like that." I'm like, "Well, I bought this at Target last week." So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it, it just there's just something missing. There's just some some void, I think, in in a lot of these, you know reimagination of these old cars that were you know originally um, designed to evoke those feelings um, but they really missed the mark in my opinion on on a lot of that you know like we said uh, you know not to dog uh, her, her Mustang but Adri's Mustang and Chris's Mustang like uh, they're they got the, the they both had I think 2005 Mustangs and the interior of them is is borderline atrocious like it, it is about the worst car I've ever sat in uh, next to a cab in China, um, it was it was just it was gross. The plastics fit poorly; they squeaked and they rattled under your hand pressure. You know, I, I, hers was an automatic, and I grabbed the shifter. And I'm like, did they really put the parting line of the plastic right in the center of the shifter, right where right, you can see it? Touch it? Yeah, and you can see it visu- visibly, and it's like, and it's sharp. And I'm like, is that really what they did? And she's like, oh yeah, no, that's. I'm like, oh wow, that's that's terrible, and it's all plastic. You know, and, and like you said, uh, in pictures, it looks great. You know, if you're trying to sell a car based on a catalog, um, it looks fantastic. But I spent uh, countless hours in 2004 sitting at my desktop building the Mustangs on the on the, the site. And I had so much fun doing that. And then sitting in Chris's all those years later was so heartbreaking to realize, oh, I don't want this. This is it's a toy car like a yeah. like a mini yeah yeah it's it it feels like a fisher price interior mm-hmm. uh, on what should be a, a classic iconic car right so uh, yeah I, I don't know it's it's uh i mean i'm sure we'll probably irritate people by saying that but it it feels that way to me and and you know they're kind of to some to some extent, I think Ford and at least Ford and I think Chevy too is hitting their stride a little bit more in the more recent models because they're a little less um, nostalgic, a little more kind of uh, evolution. Um, they're they're not trying to harken back to a, an identical copy of what they used to be. They're kind of evolving to some small degree. You know, they're keeping the same design themes though as as some of the more iconic cars like. You look at the Fox body and you look at the new car and they're they the new car looks hundred percent more like the old 67, 68, 69 mm-hmm. Mustangs than it does any other generation. Um, so they really haven't come full circle yet to a completely fresh design as far as aesthetics, but um, you know, they're at least they're making some strides in that direction, uh, where they're kind of blending old with the new, uh, keeping some of the same design language that they kept in the past um excluding the mach e that's terrible that car is absolutely absolutely (laughs) atrocious yeah they they got they got some work to do with with you know not not cashing in on that i 
I I wish they hadn't done it. It's a I think it's a fine car. The problem is when they try to say, oh, it's at all a Mustang. It's like, but it's simply not. It's like you're like, trying to establish Mustang as a brand like Lincoln or Mercury. And... Yeah, which they wouldn't be the first to do that in the last couple of years, but it's still, I think the word is disgusting. Uh, I mean, yeah. look at look at the Evo. The Mitsubishi <laughs> Evo lives as yeah. a crossover. I, I read a guy's uh, YouTube comment when I was watching the kind of the video, one of the videos on the Mach-E, and he said, I'm not even a Mustang fan, but this disgusts me. And I was like, yep, that's that's about right. And, and you know what? Anymore. I'm looking at it right now. The front looks like a uh, Infinity FX crossover. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you look up the current Infinity FX, um, or almost like it, a Mazda, the Mazda uh, one too. The what are they called? The Mazda Speed something or other. The CX Five or whatever the hell they are. Um, yeah, the the, the CX CX Seven CX Three sort of a. Well, yeah, to me, just... honestly, dude, like it, when I look at any, almost any new car, you know, the I'd say at least 2008, 2009 and newer, I mean, they really kind of just blend together. Um, They're you know? pretty homogenous. I'm, I'm less, I see that I see a little more difference in it, but because I'm, I'm just more of a modern car person than you are. Right. Um, but they, there is sometimes I'm going, wait, what is that one again? Oh, that's oh that looks just like that other car like yeah a, tr- a pickup trucks are actually really bad for this right now i'm i can't tell a chevy from a nissan right now oh they, yeah no and, and they all kind of did that same thing where they squared up the back mm-hmm. um where the you know the belt line goes over and the roof line comes up and then the back window is just straight up and down and then there's just a porthole for a back window and they all kind of look the same right now. I'm going, guys, just this giant grill up front and that same cab design and then unnecessary creases in the body, right. the, uh, the right. bed sides. Giving it uh, this this illusion of masculinity and, and uh, toughness that that uh, mm-hmm. is trying to call back to the, the 70s era pickups. But it's just... I still liked like the 2006 Silverado, the 2009 F-150, like the the 2007 ram 1500 those looked clean but they had character they all looked different <clears throat> and now they're just so busy there's just so many yeah. lines and, and i get that way with, with the uh, with the family sedans you know i look at the the super wrx and the camry and the Sentra, and i'm like i can't tell them apart i mean no and they're all very aggressive and they've got all types of curve they're trying to differentiate themselves in the market but all it does is they all look like a melange of the car from 10 years ago that got dropped in a blender yeah yeah that's what they all look like oh they just got cut up and scraped and you know just mixed up and oh this is what we have now it's just i don't know Maybe we're just getting old. I don't know. No, it's old, it's old it's, people that buy cars, not yeah. young people. So maybe we're still too young. It's like when our generation listens to the rap music of today or the rock music of today. <laughs> this isn't music. This is noise. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. And on that note, we should probably move on from from sounding like old people. 
and yeah. sound like old people um because i just saw that they're bringing back uh the uh micro machines oh really yeah yeah Hill, hasbro's bringing them back um hasbro's the company <laughs> oh absolutely i they make power rangers to this day that's still a thing that they make and air around the world like yeah they're, they're very much still going strong but uh yeah i don't see a date on here anyway but it's coming back those those are always fun i wonder if they still make matchbox cars because that was you know if hot wheels wasn't available but uh so there's that. There's just a lot of stuff here about um, 72 Volkswagen bus that has uh, the e-golf stuff in it. Uh, so it it looks like an like a Vanagon, but it's it's got all the electric stuff out of the the e-golf. What was that? Um, what, what was that called? The 1972 uh, Volkswagen bus. Oh. But it's got it's got e-golf stuff in it. Who, who built that? Uh, Volkswagen. Oh no, really? Uh, well, uh, da -da. okay. So they teamed up with a company called EV West. Oh, they specialize right, right. in electric car conversions. Yeah, I heard about that um, company. I think yeah, so they they, based in they took out the right? sixty horsepower. Uh probably. Not seeing it here, but yeah, they took out the. 60 horsepower flat four um yeah and they put a 35 kilowatt uh battery in there lithium of course and uh it's got 134 horsepower motor so i mean it doubled the power so that's that's got to be uh a step up yeah that's but, something um, at least yeah and it looks it looks completely original uh, it's funny because they got that story, but all the pictures just look like a, like that kind of yellow cream, uh, Volkswagen, just looks like a normal thing. And then there's half of this stuff is about EVs on here right now. Um, it's just kind of the the story they talk about the Mach E and uh, and and the such the electric. Uh, pickup trucks how there's going to be just a bunch of them in the next few years because uh, i know that ford has that f-150 uh, that should be coming out pretty soon but i think that's just a hybrid and uh ram has at that a uh, 48 volt mild hybrid that's been out for a year or two now oh really i don't even think i've seen that yeah it's a it's a f uh um it's a it's a fifteen hundred but it's got a forty eight volt system in it kinda like the Audis are doing. Mm -hmm. And uh and so it kinda gives it um E assist like on starts, which is you know when you use the most fuel. So the idea is kind of like like a hybrid where it'll help you where you most need it and uh if you hook up to a trailer and you go up a hill it'll know and it'll start to kind of give you a little more power but um yeah so they're saying that gm and ford are both uh 
uh, coming out with stuff in the near future. Uh, so the Tesla truck, get this, mm -hmm. already has 200,000 reservations. That's crazy. Now, these are only $100 deposits versus the $1,000 deposits that the Model 3 had, but it had 375,000 reservations. Uh, they say they plan on building 50 a year, and it's going to start selling at about 40 grand. the uh, Tesla truck. I'd be really interested to see if they can keep that price point. That seems pretty insane for what they're promising. Well... It'll probably be like the Model 3 where they are selling $30,000 ones, but that's not the first ones they delivered. The first ones they made were the $65,000 ones that people wanted all the options. Sure. And if you want the cheap one, you have to wait for it because they can only make, if they have 200,000 uh, reservations, they can only make 50 a year. And they haven't even started production. It's not even going into production till late 2021. Oh, gotcha. So we're talking two years before they start delivering, and then four years till they get to the last of the reservations. You're talking six years until you see that truck. Yeah, that's, that's now, pretty... If you, if you want the cheap one. Right, yeah, that's a pretty long time to wait for a, uh, for a vehicle you're prepaying for. <laughs> yeah, but the idea is you put $100 down, and then, you know, go out right now and get a sierra 1500 and you know or lease one and have it for six years and then by then that's about when people get rid of them you know six years that's pretty pretty standard i think it's going up a little bit right now because of the 10-year loans but um, yeah that's that's another thing that's pretty insane that, is the, uh, that's a topic for another day yeah but probably but uh yeah and so by then you'll know if you if you want that for your next one but there's if you haven't looked into it the riven uh the r1t looks really cool oh yeah i think um, i saw that a while ago yeah it's it's being built in illinois at the old mitsubishi plant it's going to start at uh, it says about 70 grand they want to make twenty five thousand of them but some of the claims on that truck uh the workhorse is ugly but the uh yeah, there's some there's some really cool stuff um, coming out, and just you know everything looks futuristic and weird. But if they can kind of bring kind of bring it a little more normal looking, like I think that all the Teslas look really good, short oh, of the yeah. Cybertruck. But um, the rest of them, I think, are are really good looking, even the SUVs. So if if they can. It doesn't have to look weird. It doesn't have to look like the Mitsubishi My EV. It doesn't have to look like a Leaf. It can actually be attractive. So right, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they did. They did a, a pretty good job on all the other Teslas. That truck is just a little uh, obscure, I think. Yeah, this is this is maybe the first time that I've said, oh. Well, it's a concept, and they stick close to their concepts. I hope they don't. Right, right. Because there are so many vehicles from from the 2001 Bullet concept to recently the WRX concept, like, looked really good, and they both got toned down for cheapness of, of making it because they already had stuff and, 
and the such, and it's just a disappointment. This one, I'm looking at it going, this is what a concept car should look like, um, but but it shouldn't actually exist. Right. There's there's something called the uh, I remember this from back in the day, the Ford Reflex. Um, this is when was this 2006 International Auto Show concept car, and this is another example of what a concept car should be. So this 2006 it was a two door coupe concept oh, yeah. car that looks it's got like 29 inch wheels, but it's supposed to have a hybrid electric diesel two two liter four cylinder like that's cool super cool like that thing was never going to exist no but I mean even then it was it was lithium battery lithium ion batteries and they were saying 65 uh, miles to the gallon out of a diesel electric like. And do zero to sixty in seven seconds. This cute little coupe, and it looks cool. And it's got that the beginning of the Ford three bar grill that they ended up putting on the Fusion and the trucks and stuff. Like it's a good looking car, right? For a concept, but like, you know, that that's not going to actually exist. But I'm worried that this truck is going to look pretty much. I mean, I know it can't because there's plenty of things that aren't U.S. legal on it, but. Uh, I mean, they put they put those Falcon doors on the uh, on the Model X, so right. who knows what they can get away with? Right. Yeah, the the whole compliance issue of that that vehicle be a whole other question as well. Yeah, there's it, it is fun to go back and look through concept cars as I'm as I'm doing now, and there's just. <laughs> so many weird things that you know you wish would have existed the to some gt90 yep i was just I was just looking at that uh it's a, it's a very very cool little thing we kind of got that with the ford gt you can kind of see some thoughts that looks more like a 1990 bugatti but um the ford 49 concept became the um thunderbird you know uh-huh. uh the uh let's see and we saw a lot of the super chief i mean we all remember the super chief but um yeah the gtr we kind of got um oh we should have gotten this so google if you can the ford 021c concept car and tell me that isn't a a, a 510 nissan oh yeah yeah, that, that's like, pretty cool. That's super up my alley. Uh, but the Ford Forty Nine, you would like. Uh, there might even be a little bit. bit of Falcon element going on in there too. There's a little bit. I can kind of the greenhouse kind of has that. Yeah. That look to it. A little bit of cougar. I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a neat. Like I would drive some uh, like a a realistic version of that. That rear um, glass looks almost identical to the glass on my car. Does it? Oh, totally, yeah. You go look up a 60 Falcon, look at the rear glass. That looks almost the exact same. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, that's, that's see, that that's what makes it really cool. Even the, uh, yeah, there's just some, some weird stuff. At least we, we're getting the Bronco, finally. Getting the Bronco. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed with it, to be honest. Because you, you, you have a second-gen Bronco, so... 
the, the concept that everyone was kicking around for a few years, the last couple of years, where they where it looked like a full size, but also had some elements of the of a few different generations. I thought that one was really cool. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the direction it looks like they're going. They went. Oh, Jamie, I think sent us that picture of the rally one, and it has since uh, made itself to Jalopnik and a few other places. But um, yeah, they. Uh, it looks a lot more like their old Ford trucks, um, kind of a Raptor esque look. Yeah, um, I think which I mean is successful for them. That's great, but it does definitely doesn't have some of the, um, you know, classic elements that the old one did. That kind of cool blend of of old and new. But then again, here I was talking, you know, 20 minutes ago about how I don't like the uh, <laughs> the the regurgitation of old designs, but. Uh, you know, I was I was hoping for something a little more interesting than uh, you know another model of their pickup with a, a canopy on it. You know, I was hoping if you, for something if you a can wrap it around a good it. truck, that helps. But yeah. if it's if it's not gonna be all show and no go, that's a problem. Like the uh, FJ, I'm afraid it's gonna be a, an FJ Cruiser again, where you know, oh, it's all for style. You can't get in the back seat. There's you know the windows are so short you can't see you're out of it so you can't four wheel it because you can't see you need visibility you have three wiper wiper uh, arms <laughs> <sighs> yeah yeah but my buddy uh shane has an fj and apparently they have three wiper, wiper yeah, arms. yeah they they do because they're so short but wide and yeah you can't you can't H2. see out of them the old uh, like... H2s are kind of that way, right? They had the kind of the squished cab and the, you know. Yeah, which which is is funny that they it's it's just a, uh, it's just a Tahoe with a less efficient body. Is all it is. <laughs> yeah. Which was fine because I liked the H3T, which was just a Colorado, but it looked really cool. Yeah, yeah there's always that trade off, right? Of. Uh, yeah. You know. But being built onto those GMT eight or nine hundred, I forget. Uh, those trucks, the seat was offset to the steering wheel. Oh, really? This the steering wheel is not directly in front of you; it's off to the left, like an inch and a half or something. Oh, that's that's clever. Yeah, I, I, I no way I could deal with that. Just no way. Because I, I was considering know. one at one point, and I'm like, I can't, I can't live that way. I think my Fox body might be offset a little bit from the driver's seat. Like this was noticeable, noticeably off. Oh yeah, like yeah, multiple inches would be uh, too much, I think. But uh, you know, small now maybe maybe okay. Yeah. Sometimes packaging those cars is really difficult. You know, packaging all the the electronics and the and the uh, you know componentry under the dash and uh, where your suspension arms are and everything is the is really steering difficult. shaft going down and not getting in the way of the engine the the headers the the wiring boxes the you know ABS module all that and your and your footwell tends to be right where uh, right where the front left tire needs to be or the mm -hmm. front front right tire on the passenger side so you know you're you're really you deal with a lot of packaging issues with cars you know trying to put everything where it needs to go it'd be hard to build a build a car elon musk found that out he's like this is really hard to do you know 
his first few years, he was going, I underestimated how hard this was going to be. And, you know, oh yeah. No, it's not, a, it's not a trivial endeavor. 